but this morning, before we go into our communion time, take your Bibles, would you please, and open up to Ezekiel 47. <clears throat> and um, this is making me nervous here. Is this, uh, oh, it's on this thing, that's why. No, it's weird. Oh, it's still on. Well, let's just move that over here. There you go, because as sure as shooting, it's going to fall over with me. <laughs> Oh, that's something. Um, and, and here's what I want to do. I want to sort of tag along with what Pastor Solo started last week about vision and seeing clearly and everything like that. And I, I want to hit that with you a little bit this morning as well. Ezekiel here, actually, just to give you a little background, and sometimes when we get into the new, uh, the Old Testament, excuse me, there's some of these analogies and there's stories and it's all interwoven and sometimes it's sort of like like Dustin was having trouble with the name this morning. It's these names and we have a, we, we almost sort of put it aside because it just seems almost too complicated to mess with. Um, we'd rather have a scripture, a verse of scripture that says, and Jesus wept. Now I can deal with that and that's pretty straightforward, pretty simple and yeah, I can go from there. But, um, in Ezekiel here, and it's very interesting, Ezekiel is one of the major prophets of the, uh, Old Testament. And he's prophesying something. And you've got to understand the context. Uh, Jerusalem, the temple, everything had been just totally destroyed. Ezekiel's a part of the number that had gone into captivity into Babylon. And they were held captive and made slaves, if you would, by that culture. And uh, it's an anti-God culture. It's a, um, uh, in fact, Babylon uh, and the people that served Babylon were people much like what we see in the world today. They're just wanting to be released from every constraint. There's nothing of any kind of moral compass or moral sense in them. They don't want anything to do with God whatsoever. In fact, they, they, they don't want people telling them what to do. But how many always understand when you start that and you can't submit and come under authority... Come on. The next step is, well, God can't tell me anything either. And the minute we do that as a nation or a society or whatever, we're in so much trouble we don't even realize. And that's actually how it was, it says, in the days of Noah. They just did whatever was pleasing in their sight. They just did whatever they woke up that morning to think about doing. They did it. And it didn't matter whether it was moral or immoral. It didn't matter who it hurt or who it affected. They didn't even care about their own families. They just lived such a, a permissive, uh, 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 in a permissive style of living. They didn't care. And the same with the Babylonians. And then all of a sudden, here you get Ezekiel in the middle of it, and God begins to speak to this man of God. He begins, to, I would have liked to met this guy. He begins to speak to him in the middle of all this confusion, in the middle of all this turmoil, in the middle of all this a terrible immorality and slavery and everything else. And listen, their situation, the Israelites, is not good at all when God's speaking here. But God still speaks. That gives me hope and gives you hope, or should, that no matter what your situation, God is still speaking. And not only is he still speaking, but he's speaking to you. He wants to bring you from where you're at, no matter what kind of captivity you feel. And listen, even, and I'm not here to really deal with this this morning, but even whatever sin got you bound up, he wants to take you from here to over here. He's got a plan and a destiny for your life. And he doesn't want you living 
or getting comfortable where you're at. And I'll tell you what, one of the advantages that I have of going around like I do, and I'm, I'm, I'm gone a, a lot. I, somebody asked me the other day, how often are, are you home? And, uh, and meaning home in my house in Florida. This year in January, I spent six weeks there. I've lived there for three years. I spent six weeks from the beginning of just at Christmas, uh, beginning of, of, of the new year, all the way to the, about the middle of December, not going anywhere. Six weeks, that was the longest I have been home in three years in one set. So I'm gone a lot. Now, I would tell you that not to elicit any kind of sympathy because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. But what I do know that when I go around, I want you to know something. Sometimes you can get a little myoptic being here and maybe just in Lincoln and then narrow down maybe just in this church and maybe what you think is happening. Everywhere I go, the people of God have the same sense that God is getting ready to do something fantastic in the earth. There's a sense that God's getting ready to do. He's preparing his people. He's positioning his people. He's strategizing. I do believe God's still in charge. No matter who's in Congress or the Supreme, all that. And every country's got their own situations politically and economically and all that. It really doesn't matter if I'm in Hong Kong or last couple of weeks ago I was in Borneo. Uh, I mean, there's an island. Everybody, everybody that I meet in the church, there's still this underlying sense. You can almost feel it pulsing if you were to put your fingers up on where the the beat is, you know, the, the blood is flowing. You can feel a pulse and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And people of God are saying, God's going to come along. He's got to do something. Now, here's the thing with prophecy. And this is where we're going to read here in a second. With prophecy, prophecy is a funny thing. Sometimes when we hear prophecy, what we can do is we can say to ourselves, well, God's God, God's sovereign, and he's just going to get it done. Well, yeah, but not really. God requires of us to take action. If you ever have a word over you and someone's laid hands on you and prophesied over you, listen, that's a wonderful thing, but you don't get up and go, well, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, and whatever God wants, well, he wants, and that'll, it'll just happen. It doesn't happen that way. Can I tell you the truth? It doesn't happen that you got to step out of the boat. Come on, amen. You can't just say, well, if God wants to do that, he'll do that. Oh my gosh, no. Even for things like simple like healing. If, if God's given you a word to stand and believe him for a healing in your body, listen, you can't just keep going along and eating junk food. <laughs> Come on, amen. You need to switch some things around. You got to participate in the thing, all right? Yeah, I mean, you can't, he's, You've got to do something, you see. And the same is with God getting ready to move in all the earth. If the church is going to see and have it revealed to us in this last day of a mighty revival that we're promised in the word of God. God promised that. He said, before I come, I will make myself known among everyone. It's going to happen. It's, uh, the Bible prophesies a last moment, a last day encounter with the Spirit of God that it says will cover the earth. That will cover the earth. It's the latter rain, if you would. It's the thing that is going to happen before he comes. It's got to happen. Listen, he's not coming just to get you out of a situation. 
He's not coming to rescue you. I'm, I'm old Pentecost. That's my roots. I mean, I'm fifth generation. We used to believe that, and this is not a hanky, but it's a, a piece of cloth, a Kleenex rather. We used to believe that God was coming, but we just had to hold on to the very end. And, and, and you're, you're sort of waving the white flag, you know, and, and oh God, here we go. We're going down one time, going down twice, going down the third time. Help me, Jesus. I don't see that in the Bible. I see the church as being very glorious. I see the church as being powerful. I see the church, watch, watch, as being contrary, opposite to the world. Totally. That's why what your pastors are doing, you and I can't be conformed to this world. It takes, in fact, right now, we're the generation, you and I, we've got to resist more than ever before. If it doesn't look right, turn the channel. Come on. You got to resist. You got to resist or push back on the enemy and he will flee. But you got to, you got to do something. Well, I can't help it. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can. (laughs) Come on. Amen. And so this is what I'm trying to help you understand. And so the same with this prophecy here that Ezekiel begins. And you, you and I have got to be the people that really see something ushered in, but we've got to help bring it along by our participation. Ezekiel here is describing a vision uh, in chapter 40. In fact, the last eight chapters of the book are comprised of this anticipation of a great error of recovery, of reckon, uh, of restoration, and of total realization of everything that God wanted for the people of Israel. That's what's happening here. It's a total coming up uh, 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 to, the, to the forefront. The Lord is telling them here there was a future and a hope and the dimensions involved would require each one in Israel to have a personal confrontation and a personal uh, uh, participation in what God was doing in that moment and in that hour. And a general mistake is made, like I say, that when the people of God make a decision, uh, when, when God makes a decision, gives a prophecy or a revelation and declares something, and that somehow that's just going to happen. We've got to begin to participate. And that's the whole point of my message with you this morning. So with that in mind, We've got to believe and act. With that in mind, by the way, how many know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Uh, uh, Faith and obedience go together. You can't just hear something. You've got to obey. Come on, amen. Well, I got a few amens. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know you're tired. Start at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 47. It's maybe on your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, your I don't know what. Some of us, though, old school, just still have the old. Amen. Thank you, buddy. I love you, man. All right. Here's what it says. Then, this is Ezekiel talking, and it's the angel working on him that's visiting him. He brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. Now, remember, right now, we're literally where Ezekiel's at. The temple is destroyed, but he's seeing this vision. Temple is now rebuilt in this vision and water is flowing under the threshold of the temple toward the east. 
for the front of the temple faced east, and the water were flowing from the right side of the temple and south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate of the temple that faces east, and there was water running, running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. That's like about three, I think it's about three football fields. And he measured, and he and and uh, he brought me uh, to waters through waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. And he measured another thousand and brought me through waters. The waters came up to my knees, and again he measured another thousand and brought me through, and the waters came up to my waist. And again he measured one thousand, and it was a river I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one, watch, watch, must swim a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the banks of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the valley and enters the sea. In other words, it's going along where it goes into the Dead Sea, which, by the way, the Dead Sea is the most saline sea in all the earth. And you can go to the Dead Sea even today and sit and read the newspaper sitting in the Dead Sea. You won't immerse. You, you will stay on top because of the water, of the saline con- content. And, and then he says this. The water flows toward the eastern region, go down the valley, enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, the waters are healed. All the dead waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, I love that phrase, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. Say that with me. Everything will live wherever the river goes. Say it one more time. Everything will live wherever the river goes. Let me stop right there. I go maybe down to 12, but let's just stop right there for a second. It's a very interesting thing. Uh, people who float is what I want to talk to you about this morning. The call comes to Ezekiel, and it is filled with promise and possibilities. But the call involves three distinct things. It involves depth, it involves distance, and it involves delight. Now think about this. It is people that he's addressing here, and Ezekiel being one, but he's also addressing us, who are not content to just stand on the shore. They're not content just to be observers. They're not content people when the river of God, when that life-giving river is flowing. And that's what I'm talking about. He's going to begin flowing like we've never seen before. When that river is flowing, we can either take one of two stances. We can either be people who stand by the side and look at it, or we can get and be people who get out into it and float along with what the river is going to do. Now, there's a whole big problem with doing that, but and we'll get to that in a second. But I, I want you to see something, that it's not 
even just treading, but now you're beginning treading water, but now you're beginning to float along with the current and with what God's doing. Now, let's talk about those three things, depth, distance, and delight. Number one, depth. As the Lord spoke to Israel, he is, uh, to, to Ezekiel, excuse me, he is bringing Ezekiel to a place in a vision where the waters are too deep to wade in. He moves from ankle depth to knee depth to waist depth, and then he says there are waters to swim in. Every one of us in our journey with the Lord... <clears throat> have the opportunity to move from one level to the next level to the next level. Paul says it differently, but he says it in the New Testament. God wants to change us from glory to glory to glory to glory. Now, I realize this morning I'm speaking mostly to believers. How many believers are out here? All right, good. Listen, with believers, here's what happens. We we love meeting Jesus. We can all recall when we met Jesus and everything else, and it was great and all that. But what happens if we're not careful, we'll get stagnant where we met him. And all of a sudden, all we're concerned about is getting ourselves to heaven, and we've got a little badge that we pinned down that says, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and, and I don't really need to do any more. Listen, the minute you do that in your mind, much less in your actions, you've lost out something. Because God has so much more for you. He wants you to go beyond the ankle depth all the way to where you can't even touch the bottom. Come on, amen? I mean, where you can't even feel the bottom. Now, some of you, how how many love to swim? See, I'm not a big swimmer. And we live down by the Atlantic Ocean, and sometimes you get some big waves. I'm uncomfortable when, Susan loves to swim, but I'm uncomfortable when I'm out there and I can't touch the bottom. I want to be able to, even if I, I sink down quite a bit, it better not cover my nose. But I want to feel some ground underneath me. Because the minute I don't feel ground underneath me, I'm a little nervous about the whole situation. Because I don't need one of those lifeguards that sit up there looking for people like me. To come out and drag my sorry <laughs> body out of that water and start doing one of these numbers. <laughs> I just don't want that. So he's talking here, though, about waters that you're not touching the bottom anymore. There's the depth we want to get to. And then he talks about distance. There's a tide to this river that he calls us along. And as we move out, there's distance to be realized. Listen. Some people in Christian walk don't go anywhere. They go nowhere. They haven't increased their spiritual language past hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. They keep saying the same three words over and over again. Move out a little bit. When you worship, hallelujah, and Sarah, the team did a great job leading us in. Oh, I was just, woo. When you worship, oh, I thank you, Jesus. Well, okay, that's good. You're in the ankle deep. Let's go another step, shall we? I praise you, my God. Okay, now we're getting there. Oh, I bless your holy name. You are my God. You are my Savior. You're my eternal King. 
You're the one that I serve with my life. I worship you. My heart sings before you. I give you my praise. I give you my worship. Everything that I am, O Lord, I praise your name. I worship you, O King, O God. I love you. I lift your name up wherever I go. Oh, hallelujah. See, all of a sudden, now you're moving up a little bit. You can still feel the bottom. Don't worry. But you're moving up a little bit. Instead of, hallelujah, praise the Lord. What? Go a little farther. Come on, amen. Go a little farther. You were ready this morning. I could see it. I could feel it. If Sarah, and it wasn't her fault or anything like that, but if she had pushed you just a little bit, you could have gone in a little deeper and push a little bit more and go a little deeper. Well, you know, it's time. We've got to go to the next thing in the service. No, 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 no. We're talking about getting into the waters of God. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about getting into a distance with God and a depth with God that ultimately brings a delight in God. Isn't that wonderful? And when you get delighted in God, all this other stuff just goes by the wayside. Come on, amen. And your worship increases. Your faith increases. Because God, guess what? God can do anything. You're finding out you don't even need terra firma under your feet anymore. You can just float along in the river of God. He's going to take you where you need to be going. Come on, amen. He's got you in the palm. He's taking you downstream. See, that's what I want. Now, I'm not, call, I'm not talking to you as one who's achieved it. But I'm talking to you as one that's being challenged by the word and challenging you by the word that he wants more for you. Come on, amen. How many believe, maybe it's a belief thing. How many believe God really actually wants more for you than where you're at right now? Oh, good. He does. He actually does. He's got, he would, it would blow your mind if you knew where he wants to actually take you. Oh, my God. Listen, when you're floating, not treading even, floating along in the water, not even worried about staying stationary, not even worrying whether or not you can see the shore. Get to the shore quick. That's me, you know, when I'm out in the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, how long would it take me to get back where I need to be? In my chair. (laughs) In fact, most times when we go out there, and we don't do it too much, but when we go out there, I stay in the chair. She goes swimming. Are you going to come and join me? No, I don't think I'm going to today. No, there's a little wind. I may be carried out to the Bahamas. I'm not going out there. (laughs) You see? But when we get to the place where we're floating with God, oh, he takes us to the most wonderful places. What if he took you to such a place where when you walk into your office tomorrow morning, everybody notices a change in your demeanor. There's something about, they can't tell you what it is. Now you and I know it's the Holy Spirit all over you. But there's something about you and you, they go, whoa, what's going on in them? And then you're t- they're talking to you about mama's not feeling good. Let us pray. And you believe God and that person's healed. <laughs> and you go, oh my God, did I do that? Yes. 
But not really. It was just because you went ahead and let the river of God flow to where it needed to flow. It'll even flow into your office. Come on, amen. It'll flow into your school. It'll flow into your neighborhood. It's coming out from the temple and going in every direction, do you understand? And it's not just a small stream. They're measuring this thing. 25, in fact, 25, what it ends up being 25 miles downstream is where you start to float. That's pretty cool in my mind. Pretty cool. And then the delight comes. And what this picture shows is the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's a forecast for these folks of when the Messiah would come. There would be an outpouring of the river of God's righteousness flowing from the throne of God. The fountains flow from the heart of God. And guess what? This was happening on the day of Pentecost. Those rivers were unleashed. This is what he's prophesying here. It was going to happen. And when Jesus came and then he left and he sent his spirit and the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2, do you understand things were flowing out of that little upper room with those 110 people like nothing the world has ever seen? 110 people. 140. 120. I wasn't there, so don't hold me to any of it. 120 people come down the stairs of the upper room. And several chapters later, it says, these are those that turn the world upside down. Now, blow my mind, but how did they get from there to that? They got in the river. They got, they lost track. Listen, they didn't care about anything. Now, this is going to get you a little bit, because we're American, most of us, and we've got a strong work ethic, and da-da-da, and I, I get all that. And we've got to make a living, and we've got to do things, and all that. I understand that. But you understand, when these guys got touched by God, they did not care. In fact, some of them were still doing the fishing thing. Paul was still making tents. So it's not like they put their vocation aside, but the thing that became the priority in their life was the river of God. That's all it was. Well, he said to go here, and I'm going there. And he said to go over there, and I'm going there. He said to preach here, and I'm going to preach here. And in one moment, 3,000 people get saved when the river starts flowing. Boy. Another few verses down, 5,000 people get saved. Who is the guy in the chariot who stops by and sees uh, Philip, right? And says, what must I do to get baptized? Well, get out of the chariot, and let's get you baptized right here. That's river flowing moments. You understand? That's just like saying, oh yeah, hey, I got a bathtub. We're going to fill it up, get you baptized. That, that's the idea behind that. Well, we've got to do that in church. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, when you're flowing in the river, God's going to do all sorts of crazy things. People are going to be healed. People are going to be saved. Families are going to be restored. There's all sorts of things happening. Now, here's what you've got to understand, however. This thing has some, well, it's not conditions as much as it is some limitations. The question becomes here, and actually it's only one question. This is what I'm going to leave you with. How deep are you willing to go in the river? How deep? Here's how I look at this whole thing when he talks about the ankles, the, was it the knees? No, yeah, knees, waist, and then floating. when you get in to the river, and by the way, if you raise your hand a little bit earlier, I'm a believer, you're in the river. 
Okay, I'm going to give that to you. You're in the river. But maybe some of you are only ankle deep. Ankle depth, you know what it represents? It represents that that's a believer that has learned to stand in the stream. That's a good thing. Amen? You've learned to stand in the stream. They've taken a position that says, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I know who, where I stand in Christ. I am justified by faith, and I have salvation in him. Most of us in this room are in that position. We're in at least ankle deep. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm in. Great. Now, some of you may not actually even know the Lord that way, and you're on the shore. And today, Pastor Solo, a little bit later, is going to give you an opportunity to make just one step into the river. You're going to get into your ankles, and you're going to find out what the river of God is all about. It's a powerful thing, even at ankle depth. Listen, how many are so glad that he loved you? We sang it this morning. Went to the cross for you, died for you, rose again for you, and forgave you of your sins. Oh, I'm glad I'm in the river. People that are ankle deep go to heaven. Okay? So it's not just those that are floating. We know the Lord. We're in the waters. We're we're flowing in the stream, if you would. We're walking in the stream. That's ankle. Then you raise up the, the depth to the knee depth. Now, that to me represents the devotional aspect of our walk with God. That's a person that moves beyond just a solid place of certainty of who they are in Christ, and they come to a place of beginning an intimacy with the Lord as they walk with Jesus every day of their lives. You know what I see with this? It's people, and your pastor mentioned it this morning, that know how to and don't cease to get down on their knees and pray. They're intimate with God. Listen, maybe you're at an ankle depth right now. Can I encourage you today to go to the next stage and begin a devotion, an intimacy? Not Don't think of it in terms of I've got to get up every day and I've got to read four chapters and three psalms and one proverb and, and say, you know, my prayers. And That's not intimacy. That actually turns me off. I, okay, I gotta get up today and say to Susan three times, I love you. Once before breakfast, then lunch, and then dinner. And then if I do that three times and I do it nice, she'll cook for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And wash my clothes. Hallelujah. And won't beat me. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's not intimacy. Intimacy with God is saying, oh God, I wanna go to the knees and I want my life to reflect a just a, a walk with you that's so different than I've ever known before. That my, my thinking, my every moment, if you would, is thinking about you. I, I center my life on you. Lord, I'm not giving my tithes and offerings because of a rule or something. I'm giving it because I'm intimate with you and I love you so much. It's just so good. I'm not reading my Bible because there's a rule. I do it because I love you so much. And when I do it, you talk to me and we commune and it's so great. And we're having intimate moments. That's deeper in the water. Then you come to the waste. Now the waste people are, that was funny sounding, wasn't it? Those that are in the water up to their waist, you know what that is? That's people that are not just happy being a Christian. They're not even happy being intimate. 
But now that water is covering the reproductive areas of their lives. And they're bringing people to the Lord wherever they go. Hey, come on down to the river with me. You're going to love the river. That's how they're out. They're in up to their waist. And they are people that are just loving, seeing other, reproducing themselves in other people. How many know we need more of that? Come on. This place should be full. There was 500 people here yesterday, we reckon, Solo and I did. That's, we can fit them. We found out. We can fit them. We got chairs. And what chairs we don't have, they can just sit on the floor, sit up up here on the things. and they, they, they get in here. We'll get them in here. And once we get that done, we'll do another service. And then you have to choose. Do I go to the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? And then, we can work all those details out. But it's because people have gotten and moved into the waist-deep waters. Now, we're still got our feet on the ground, but we're moving in waist-deep waters. But, oh. The ultimate is where we get in all the way, all the way, and we're in swimming depth. And that represents abandoning ourselves to be captivated by the Lord to move. And you want to move out in depths that open up places where everything becomes alive and vital life. It's a place where it opens up to trees where you never saw trees before, fruit that was never produced before. It's a place that absolutely is where you can no longer touch, even with your tippy toe, the bottom of the river. You're just floating along with God. And there's a fruitfulness, there's an excitement, there's a potential of so many possibilities you can't even imagine. Now that's my message. That's the prophecy. Was it just for Israel? Oh, no, 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 no. Was it just for those at Pentecost? Oh, no, no, no. Do you know what happened in history? Church history. Pentecost happened. The river of God is flowing like crazy. But over time, everything, everything began to die out. And before you know it, you've got the dark ages. I'm giving you a quick history lesson. And before you know it, people are paying to have their sins forgiven and they're doing indulgences and everything else and in it's a it's a, that's where you begin that separation of clergy the professionals i'm a professional and the laity that's where we got all that that was never meant to be it never is in the bible now yes there's pastors evangelists prophets uh, apostles teachers given to the church for the perfecting of the saints but you were supposed to be in the river with us Come on, amen. Well, I, I, I believe, Pastor, you should be in the river fully. Well, thank you very much, but you should be there too with me to keep me from drowning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It never was that just the ministry go into the river. It was that you were to, and all of that died out. And the church that turned the world upside down in, in the book of Acts, all of a sudden by about two centuries later and a lot of things, that they didn't have communication back then like we do. Nah, 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 nah. All of a sudden it dies out. But you know what? Ever since way back with Martin Luther, a guy that was a Lutheran. Anybody Lutheran here? Former Lutheran? There we go. You are too, man. That's why you brought the real Bible. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Luther got up and says, guess what? No more of this system. 
where I've got to go to somebody else and confess my sins Mm -mm, and hope they forgive me. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Not going to happen anymore. He put up the 95 theses on the door at, was it Nuremberg? Where was it? You're the Lutheran expert, Arlene. It was a long time ago. Okay. I thought you were living back then, but now it's my my bad. (laughs) And he nailed him up and he says, guess what? There's a justification by faith. The just shall live by faith. Whew, everybody goes, oh, you mean we can approach Jesus on our own? Yes, you may. And that started the return. And then in the late 1800s, all of a sudden, God broke out among the, and now what we know is the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and all of a sudden, you mean God loves us? He'll heal us? And there came this great healing revival. In the 1800s, and I'm missing a lot of stuff, but you can fill in the blanks, read your own history. And then in the beginning of the 1900s, in a little place called Azusa in California, they're praying, they're just meeting together. It was a it was an African American guy named Seymour. Uh, 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 what's his first name? I can't. Wil- Wilbur or William, William Seymour, whatever. And he's praying with a little group of people. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hits that room. They had never spoken in tongues, a spiritual language before. They get into the middle of the river. It has changed the whole world since then. And over time, we've seen a restoration of all sorts of things. We saw a restoration of worship, a restoration of prophecy, a restoration of this thing and that thing that was there in the beginning. And now we're just, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're now coming to the realization of all that God wants to restore It's all a part of the river, and we're right there, you and I, in this generation, and we're about ready to see the last great outpouring. It's phenomenal. But I've got to encourage you, you can't stay ankle deep. You can't just be happy with knee-deep experience. That's good, but don't get happy there. Don't camp there. You can't even, if some of you are bringing people to the Lord and all, yes, keep it up. But don't get satisfied with that. Get in to where you've lost all your moorings and you're going wherever God takes you. Oh my goodness. It will be an astounding thing when it hits the earth. Come on, amen. But we've got to move. We've got to be willing to move into the deep waters. Here's the question. How many are willing to move into the deep waters? I am. I am. I am not happy and by the way, I know where I'm at, and you know where you're at. So we're not going to have confession here this morning, all right? You know where you're at. But I'm challenging you today by the Spirit of the Lord to get a vision, just like Ezekiel had. See clearly, like Ezekiel did. Understand God has more for you. And then take, hear the prophecy, and take the next step to get into the water. Raise your hands with mine. Let's pray. Father, right now, We pray over our lives, our individual lives. Lord, none of us are happy, really, when we think about it, where we're at. We want more. 
We want more of you. We want more of your spirit in our lives. We want more of your grace in us, Lord God. We want, Lord, not just to be satisfied with a relationship with you. We want it to be deeper. We want it to be stronger. We want it to move us into a new new area, Lord God. We want to go to the devotional level, if that's where we've been. And we want to get into that devotional level with you, God, where we move, Lord, and come to a place of intimacy. And if we're there already, Lord, we want to move to the waste depth, which means the reproductive depth. And we want to see others coming into the river with us, Lord God. And we want to bring, and, and, and we move from just standing or walking with God in prayer to touching people and telling them about Jesus. But Lord, if that's what we're doing, we want to get to the place where we're swimming in you, Lord God abandoning ourselves to be captivated by the Lord to move. We want to move out in depths that open up to places where everything begins to be alive. Hallelujah. Vital life, a place where fruit is being produced, Lord. That place of delight, oh God. Father, you're not calling us just to wade, but to move beyond a place of solid standing to swimming. You want us to take, take us to places we've never been before. You want us, Lord God, that's what I hear you saying. You want us to abandon ourselves to you, Lord, like we've never done before. Father, let it begin in us. Let our worship, come on, change. Let us move out. Let us expand even in our worship. Let our prayer life change, oh God. Let our our devotion change, Lord God. Expand us, Lord God. Let us not be satisfied with a one or two words and a little clap. But we want to worship you with our whole hearts, oh God. We want to. We thank you for it today, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.